Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Point of Reference podcast, where we talk about where we've been um, to light a way to where we're going and where we want to be. Um, I'm super excited for the guest today. It is Will Goff. He is a digital product designer by day, a music manager by night, and apparently a full-time vegan based off of your, your, your Twitter. Um, and I, I had to stalk you a little bit for that one. Um, but I need to talk to you about that later too, because I've been trying to do plant-based, but that's outside the scope of this interview. Oh, I got you. I got you. I mean, we could see, you know what I'm saying? Like, look. Yeah. So, um, I'm really excited to have you, um, today. I know that, uh, I don't know if you even remember this, but I think the first time that we met was a few years ago and in Chicago at like a networking event. Um, and you don't remember, <laughs> he doesn't remember, but um, yeah, so it, it was in Chicago. I think I was interning for like a communications firm and I think um, a mutual person kind of connected us. So I think that's that's the first time that I remember meeting you. Um, yeah. It's so wild. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. And so we both come from U of I, but I don't think our paths really crossed you know, at U of I, but, you know, the beauty of social media is that you get to be connected and reconnected with folks. Um, So, yeah, that was a a long ramble, but thank you for for being on the show today. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing decent. Like, it's it's warm and it's going to be sunny in Chicago. So I'm like, hey, I'm I'm having a good Saturday today. Like, you know what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm. I got my little, got my little latte, my millennial ass latte. Uh, (laughs) And I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk with it. For sure. So um, just to start it off, like, tell everybody who you are, who is Will, what do you do? Um, yeah, let's start with that. Yeah, that's it. So, uh, yeah, no, I have, um, I don't know where to kind of begin the question. I guess I'll probably start by saying, like, uh, I'm a creative person. Uh, I've probably been creative uh, since I was a short. I was actually taking a walk this morning. And I was thinking about how did I end up kind of <laughs> doing the stuff that I'm doing? Um, and uh, I was like, man, I do remember like always drawing. Uh, I do remember like even singing as a, as a child uh, or like making songs. Um, I remember I was like seven years old and there's a song by an artist named Joe. Like, I want to know. I want to know. Yeah. It's all right. The point is that I've always been creative, but I remember this, I remember I was like, oh, mom, I want to remix this. So I like took some pens and I like made a rap over it and then sang it to her. And then like the whole family was watching it. And it's also a very like adult song. So I probably shouldn't have been singing it at like <laughs> seven or eight or however old I was. But I guess I've always been a creative person, but it um, and I've often tried to like walk away from that. Um, so like throughout the course or like high school, I was like set on being like, like, I want to be a politician, I want to be a lawyer, and I wanted to be a career politician. So, like, I wanted to, you know, maybe enter, like, a bureaucratic agency or maybe, like, um, be part of, like, a nonprofit uh, or some sort of grassroots organization that maybe focused on uh, civil liberties or just equity, like, really something that was, like, rank and file on the ground. Um, and I was like, okay, this is going to be my stepping stone to kind of being a service, kind of being a politician. Um, uh, you know, I want to get a law degree on top of that. So like I had this idea of what I wanted to be and it just wasn't, not to say it wasn't in line with who I am, because I think you can be creative in whatever you do there. You can take a sort of design thinking or creative approach to any job you're in really. Um, 
but uh i was sort of kind of like walking away from what naturally gives me joy which is just being creative so uh i got to u of i um uh fall 2011 and i was like oh i'll be you know be a lawyer so i ended up um finishing my program uh, and it was political science but political science is one of the interesting liberal arts programs or at the time it was at u of i where they encourage you to like get what they call it maybe like a dual degree or do like you know uh, two programs because you can finish it really quickly so i was political science and english and i finished in three years so i remember the my advisor at the time in college was like hey you ready to you know you ready to dip out you ready to leave and i was like i just got here like you know what i'm saying like i'm a homie still here like so um and uh that's kind of when i had my first existential crisis <laughs> so, <laughs> oh my god and i was oh. like uh I don't want to. I don't want to Um, So, uh, and it was because I was going to probably be entering the workforce doing something that wasn't creative. Like I, I didn't say it at the time, but that's kind of what I felt. So I started doing flyers on campus. I was doing flyers for um, all sorts of groups, like the African Cultural Association, um, the Alphas, the Qs, the Kappas, like all of the Greeks, um, um, different housing organizations on campus. So I started doing a bunch of flyers and I became the flyer guy for like two and a half, three years. Um, and then, you know, um, that evolved into me, you know, getting my first design job at the uh, our sort of uh, union, our student union, the Illini uh, Union, um, in their marketing department. And that, that was an eye opener. I was doing print design at the time. So it's just like anything that's printed, I love with it, but it was, it was servicing me a little bit more. So uh, I think I've always been a creative person and like it took time and the journey was circuitous, but um, that's who I am. So yes, I am all the things you said, like I'm hella vegan, we could talk about that too, <laughs> um, but I'm also like just a creative person. So that's, 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 yeah, that's what I would say. Okay. So in terms of like revisiting the creative side of you in college, like it just, what, what made you kind of pursue that? um in that moment so was it like the existential crisis of like you know realizing that you're entering the workforce in something that like your heart wasn't totally in or like you know was there a moment that made you kind of say i need to pursue this side of me in a productive you know material way if that makes sense that's so interesting so so i ended up doing five years at U of I. So I ended up, um, I was finished with my program in three years. So 2014, like I said, my advisor was like, you can leave. And she asked me every semester after that, are you ready to leave? Mm -hmm. I was like, nah, so I think credits were, you know, if I was 120, I left for like 167. I was, like, I was just racking up debt at the time. <laughs> but it was because um, I was kind of fearful of like entering into a workforce and doing something that maybe I wasn't fully committed to. And like I said at the time, I wasn't on like a, I wasn't on a pre-law track because you can do anything and then go to law school. It doesn't matter, right? And I and I was well aware, and I was in some law organizations like MAFA at the time. Um, um, and I, I think it was just fear. I think it was fear that I might enter into this world doing something that I don't want to do and not really particularly having it figured out. And I wanted more time to experiment, and I wanted more time to try something else. Um, and I think that was the that was a catalyst, though. That was the thing that made me stay, that made me explore. So I got that job at the union and then a year later I quit um, for like personal reasons and other reasons. And then 
ended up getting a job at a real design studio um kind of like a few months later and i in the design studio at the time was called neutral design and it was really validating for me so like i'll say that at the time i was doing flyers i was a graphic design student intern at the union but i didn't really feel like i was supposed to be there i felt like a fraud like i was like are they really am i doing this right i was almost I was very much so validation seeking. And I think um, people do that probably because of experiences they have in life. Some people connected to childhood, so maybe just how you were as a child or how your parents raised you, et cetera. But for whatever the reason, I was validation seeking for um, being a creative person and was never confident in my abilities, no matter who decided to pay me X amount of dollars, right? Like it didn't matter, like someone's like, I'll give you a thousand to do this logo. like. I still felt like a fraud or people are like, you're so good, still felt like a fraud. So I say out to say I was at this new agency called Neutral Design and I did that for a few months and it gave me um, lots and lots of experience. Um, and then I ended up getting an internship at a real agency. Um, and I worked at that agency for a year as a, as a freelancer. Um, and I'll say this too, uh, I'm so sorry, but um, I'm gonna turn this along as I talk. But, I remember working at this agency as a freelancer and uh, they were like, oh, how much you want to pay? Like, uh, they offered me like, we'll give you $25 an hour. I was like, yes, that's amazing. Because I was broke as hell and I come from like, <laughs> like I ain't had nothing. Like, that's amazing. And, you know, there's nobody in my family. I think I got a, three cousins that have graduated college at this point and I like doing fairly well, but everybody in my family is like working class, Mm -hmm. poor to just use a, I guess, a, a word. So it was all very new. And as I'm working in my job, I told my manager at the time, and he was like, hey, $25, that's all like you negotiated on. Um, and it was all rooted in the fact that I was like, it was new. I was fearful that they would find out. I was fearful of going into this creative space full time. So like, I think the catalyst, going back to the question, it was all just rooted in fear. And you saw that in my decision. Like you saw it in how I negotiated on the money. You saw it in how like, I would talk about myself, no matter how many accolades, so to speak, that I had received. So um, it was fear. And I guess that's what an existential crisis is, like fear of something you can't predict. And I'm very type A. So if I can't plan it out, that's a problem. <laughs> so um, that's, I think that was the catalyst. And it took a while to get over that and I still deal with it to the like right now, but it was definitely that fear and like of the unknown doing something that I had not planned for because I had plans to be a lawyer. And so something that was interesting, um, well, that's very intuitive. You're very obviously very self-aware. So um how when did you kind of realize that that was the pattern that you were having like that all of these decisions that you were making were out of fear because I don't think that's like just a, an inherent thing that people just understand about themselves at least it wasn't for me because I've, I've noticed that in myself in my own journey um but what made you realize that like what opened your eyes to that pattern and how did you navigate that to overcome that's it really that's such a great question um, I had people telling me, so there's a, I like, I love watching YouTube. YouTube is probably my favorite app. Um, and I will watch, I'll watch like health conferences. I'll watch speakers like YouTube. So there's a computer right behind me. 
show it sitting on that microwave right there and it's i open it up in the day and youtube's just gone like that's like my little thing right so i remember i came across this guy named dennis kimbrough and um, dennis kimbrough he's a professor at clark atlanta and i think he um is in like the finance department um and he um is like a renowned for like studying entrepreneurship there's this book called um, think and grow rich by napoleon hill and he interviews a bunch of people um and he's like hey you know how did you get to where you get um in terms of you know building up your business etc dennis kimbrough continued all of that work right from napoleon hill but he did it specifically for black entrepreneurs so he interviewed every black entrepreneur at the time um uh, and it was part of his like doctoral program when he was uh studying um and so he continued napoleon hill's work and i you know was really into Dennis Kimbrough at the time and I uh, just watching a lot of his videos and he was like if you feel like you can't figure out your life or you don't know what you're good at or you're experiencing fear you should just ask the people around you so and that sounds so simple but like ask other people and so what I started doing was crazy it was like a little social experiment I would like I wouldn't do it all the time but like you know every couple of months I was like hey you know hey bro um what do you think is like great about me what do you think is like not so great and people started telling me they were like I feel like you're afraid to be yourself I feel like you know you're always thinking about what other people think I feel like you're always and it was interesting because I had someone at the same time while all of this was happening they were like if you ask people what they like what do they think about something they'll tell you what they think right they'll be honest but if you ask the person what's wrong with something like how you ask the question, they'll tell you what's wrong with it. And mm -hmm. so like, I think up until that point, people were like honest with me, they'll be, you know, they weren't trying to be nice, like, oh, da, da, da. But when I started asking people like, what's not so great? Or what do you think is something that like, I could work on, it was all in this fear. And I had mentors tell me that. It's like, oh, I, I feel like you're not fully showing up. Like you're afraid to be your authentic self. In fact, one of the jobs that I had in Champaign, um, after I had graduated, I was at a small tech company called Pixo that's in downtown Urbana. Um, and the CEO at the time, who I, I reported directly to, uh, was like, I want, are you showing up as your full self? I want you to be your offensive self. I want you to show you. And everyone kept telling me this. And this was beyond the point where I was had already known that like I was still not being me. I was still scared to kind of be me and feel confident in who that was. But it was people. It was people. Um, that's how I figured it out because <laughs> I wasn't that self-aware. <laughs> so. Right. I feel like it's something that happens, you know, whether it's like a moment or like a, just like a season in life that kind of gives you the opportunity to peek into, you know, what's really going on with me. You know what I mean? Um, and it's important. So in so many words, you said like having a community around you is kind of what helped you develop into who you are or at least help you to develop in um develop the weak areas or the things that you felt like you needed to overcome to get to that next level yeah 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 i would say that i would say that i would say also like being broke like <laughs> so like um so I, I always carried this like narrative of this, this narrative of like who I was with me. Mm. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm just this, you know, you know, poor 
black boy from Chicago. I'm not even supposed to, I didn't even plan to go to U of I. I didn't even plan to go to college. Like I felt like everything up until my mid twenties was an accident. And this is no joke. I had parents, who, you know, my parent, my mom, it was just me and her, me and my OG. And then um, I had my, you know, great grandma. I mean, I had my grandma, my great aunts, my grandma's sisters and stuff that really looked out. Um, but me and my mom moved from place to place to place. Um, so I, I feel like I've lived everywhere in Chicago up until, you know, like the age of 18. I felt like I, we moved quite a bit, um, like, you know, like a little housing instability, but, you know, we did it. We did all right. Like, but I remember just being, and I went to a, a school downtown Chicago called Jones. And it's a selective enrollment school. Um, at the time, it was like number three in the city, and it was like number six in the state. So the suburban schools were still out, out competing a lot of the city schools. It was like Northside, Walter, and a couple of suburban schools in Jones. So even while there, I felt like an ugly duck. And there were other black kids there, Latinx kids there, Asian American kids there that came from similar backgrounds, but I could never fully relate because I just always felt like. I was a little less than partially because I was like before. So I carried this narrative with me, right? Of like who I was. Um, and I carried that into college. I carried that into that first job out of college. I carried that into my second job. Um, and I think going back to the question of like, when did you recognize you, you know, like that you know, it was fear that was driving a lot of your decisions. Um, it was, it was also kind of like me having to like escape this narrative that like of who I am. You know what I'm saying? To try to like re reshape my story. Like I don't, I don't want to always constantly define myself by that. I want to, and it was kind of weird to say this, but it's like I had to be brave to say I am not just that, but I am all these other things, and to have confidence. I think when you're fearful, it's like you're not confident. Like, yeah, you know, I manage a rapper. His name is Asar, and he'll say, "I trust the process." Like I'm not fearful of what's to come. But I think it's like when you're fearful, you're also like not confident in what's about to happen. Whether that is about your body or like that's about what you're going in life, your career, et cetera. So I have to de- I have to get rid of fear and develop confidence. Um, so that's so wild. I feel like I turned off my alarm, but it's, it keeps ringing. <laughs> but anyway, so I think yeah, that is another part to it too that I didn't get. So I really love that because honestly, like it all is in mental first, right? Like you have to make a decision about how you're going to think about yourself and then that translates into outward expression of who you are right so it's like I have to make up in my mind that I'm worth something or like I am talented or whatever the case may be and then it'll fall into line you know I will become that once I'm I believe that I can be that you know what I mean yeah and that's like ups and downs someday you'd be like I'm shit and then the next day you'd be like (laughs) I ain't shit. And then like, it's like, it's a real battle to do that though. It's For like, sure. Yeah, oh yeah, it's bro. not easy, but it's like, you have to commit to wanting to believe well, the best about yourself. Yeah. Coming I, back that's, to it. That's real. I think it's the commitment to it. It's like, I'm committed to this idea. So let me, you know, no matter how I'm feeling, I'm gonna try my best to, you know, feel this way um, or create the space, the energy um, that I ultimately want for myself. So for sure so um and so you already mentioned your artist asar um so how did so music management so we already talked about how you got into like product design and things like that so where did that 
come into play? Like, where did that come from? I know you at the beginning, you talked about like always loving music and, you know, making, you said beats kind of, right? Like making songs and things like that as a kid. Uh, so like, how did that translate into like wanting to be in music management and things like that? And why music yeah. management? Um, I've always been, I've always been creative. So I used to, um, so aside from just like, you know, I feel like every, for the most, I shouldn't say every, I'm not gonna, you know, black people aren't a monolith, but like, I feel like every young black man I know I was growing up with, or black boys, we was rapping, we was freestyling, like, you know what I'm saying? We was, we were, you know, we was out here trying. Um, and so uh, I've always been interested in just the performative arts, um, individual arts, I'm a product designer, um, but started with spoken word. Um, I got to U of I, went to this um, program as designed for, um, students of color, particularly black students called Wake Up Call. Mm -hmm. And there was this poet, she was a senior, her name was Abrell Edwards. Abrell started an organization at U of I called Word. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, she got on stage. Abrell is probably one of the coldest spoken word poets mm -hmm. I know. So shouts to Word, um, Word, word. shouts to Life. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, and uh, shouts to Abrell um, and you know Trey, uh, husband and wife and my, my godson, <laughs> if they see this. But uh, I was like, wow, I want to do what she's doing. And I want them to be my friends. <laughs> <laughs> so I've always been interested in like the performative arts, right? So it's, it's not just been music, but it's living in performative arts. So I was in Word for like three and a half years, you know, did different things in the organization, like, et cetera. Was it became advisor towards my end of my journey with Word. Um, and uh, I was always, at one point I was like, I realized people were like talking to me about their performance a lot more. Like, what do you think about this, Will? Like, how do you think I can improve this? And then I was also a spoken word artist. And um, I didn't give it as much time as I wanted to. Like I actually wanted to like do that, like real, but whatever. But, um, and people were just asking me and critiquing their art or they would ask for my opinion. And I was like, why are, people, why are you asking me about me? Like, I'm just, just me. Like, I don't, I'm not like, I ain't nobody. Um, but you know, like a lot of my musician friends were trusting me with their art and really asking for my opinions. And these were people that I thought were superbly talented and are superbly talented. So um, yeah, I think that was like the beginning. Like people are asking for their opinions and people are like, you're really organized. Can you be my manager? So there's this one, there was one guy I managed and it didn't really go well. Um, not because of like our relationship, but it was like, I was too busy at the time. I was a student. so. Um, I ended up saying, hey, I don't think I could do this anymore. And I still talk to that guy to this day, right? And then there's a, another artist by the name of um, Ro Marsalis, who is also, who is an engineer. He is a producer. He is an artist. He is amazing. Ro was the second person that I tried to manage. And he's actually, he's been my good friend for 10 years. He is the executive producer behind most of Asar's music. Uh, I was with Ro last night. Like, <laughs> It did not go well trying to manage Ro because again, I didn't you know he's just like you're organized, you're, you're, you're on point, you have the brain for it, you're also creative, like and it didn't go well because you know, know what I was doing and I was too busy, you know. Um just like undergrad just wasn't a good mix for me trying to do much outside of that space. And um then a SAR. I met a SAR in 2015 and uh similar story. He's like, hey organized you're really like you know it seems like you're on your stuff i trust your 
I like the way you give feedback. I trust how you think about music. Want to, you know, be my manager? I said no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like absolutely not. <laughs> no boy. <laughs> um, and then like maybe a few months later, we brought it up. It's like, hey, bro, you trying to, you know, do this management thing? It's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and um, my first job out of college, I was at an agency, but I was still doing print. I wasn't doing product design at the time. Um, and, uh, kind of when I left, it was after a year, like, and I saw it when I left, I like, I left, I like quit and I hopped out with joy. The first, the, the, the moment I left that office, um, I called Asar. I remember walking down the escalator, um, and, uh, I was so ecstatic. I was about to hop on the train. I said, Hey bro, let's do this. And this was three months before his first album called the six page letter. I took all the photographs for that. It's actually still in my portfolio because those photographs were fire. I was an amateur photographer at another point in my life. Um, shooting with the five, uh, a Canon 5D Mark II for all the photo nerds who might watch this. <laughs> um, but uh, I took all the photos for that. I remember we talked through the cover art. Uh, I remember helping him a little bit with like critique on the music, organizing his first listening party. And that was it. Like I remember, and we put it at, we was at Juggernaut, uh, downtown Chicago, right off of Dearborn, two blocks away from Jones College Prep, which is where I went to high school. So I was really familiar with Juggernaut and the people who worked there. And those first three months from like December, November, October, September. So from September 2016, so like December, December 28th, 2016, which is when he hosted that first listening party. That was like my foray. And like, we took press photos across the city. We used it to send to people. It was like, it was like, oh, this is kind of fun. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't have to perform or do the music. I just tell, <laughs> you know, just give my thoughts and like help him get his, you know, his self together. So um, that was, I didn't really give you the answer about why. Mm -hmm. um, but I doubt, but that is how, that is what happened. The why is just like, I guess I love music and I love being around artists. And, um, you know, music was foundational for me. Like, uh, I had a bad day, put a song on repeat, go to bed, had a great day. Kanye West's, I do it for the glory. Yeah, yeah. It's like my soundtrack walking downtown to high school. Like, music was a soundtrack to like my life, their period, their albums. I can connect with memories and eras of who. Of where I was so it's I've always wanted to be there supporting those people who made the stuff that changed my life um and the sorry I was sorry told me sorry, I'm just trying to change class I was like damn music changed my life I want to work with you um and he's the only person I probably will ever manage like if he said I'm not doing music today I'll be like all right peace I'm never doing this again because I want to work with I want to work with a song like that's like that's how I like look at it like I'm we're gonna build something together um but yeah, I couldn't imagine doing this at scale. Um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. Um, so it just it just sounds like you just paid attention to what was making sense at the time. So like even going back to college, uh, being in Word, like people kind of, seems like they like guided you into what you're doing a little bit in terms of like them always coming to you and like paying attention to you know that influence that you had in that at role of like guiding people and helping them along their journey 
yeah, like Word was a source of confidence, a source of friendship. And like a, a lot of people I met in Word are like my good friends to this day. Um, the founder of Word, like I'm the godfather of our son, you know what I'm saying? Like Word was a confidence builder. Word really did kind of shape like college. I was like, I didn't plan to go to college. I was saying, like, I was kind of alluding to that earlier. I went to a good school and they were like, apply. And I did. And so I went, but I never really sat down. and was like, I'm doing this. Like, mm -hmm. I, didn't, I didn't feel like I was purposing my life up until, like, like I said, my mid twenties, I was just kind of doing stuff. And like, by the grace of God, I was being directed in the right way. And I had people who maybe saw things that I couldn't see, like my mother, like she just knew I needed education. She may have known, she may not have known the granularities of what I needed, but she knew like get more education, stay in school, like, and then maybe everything will be okay, right? And you'll be better off than, you know, me and, and your granny and everyone else in the family that came before you. So it was guiding where it was guiding. Um, again, like you said, it, I felt serendipitous, but I can only give it to God. I can only say that it was, yeah, it felt like I was being pushed in the right way. And I do have to give a lot to that because um, I don't know if I, if I didn't have that experience, if I would be doing this or if I would have met a SAR or, you know, some of these other great artists that I know. For sure. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, having that serendipitous experience developing into this, this type of role, right? So was there any particular moment that you can pinpoint that was like reassurance, like, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, at least for right now or long-term? Was there like a moment that was like, yeah, this is, this is why we do this, or this is why I'm doing this, or I'm in the right space? Yeah. For the longest time, I um I've seen a lot of like musicians in the city grow, like stardom, and make their dreams happen. And uh, it's always felt elusive. Ah, will I ever get there? How did they do that? Um, and I have good friends um, in Chicago um, who exist in all parts of the industry, whether they're artists. Do they support artists? Uh, whether they work in like, you know, a, a industry supporting service like law, um, or they help with talent. But I was never able to get up and close with any other manager uh, to see if how I was thinking and um, what I was doing was the right thing to do. Um, and it was only up until recently that in tandem with the SAR and the rest of our team, it's become clear that we're, we're doing it right. Like I think within the past year, I've only just felt that how we think about things is right. What we're doing is right. Because there was no, there was no prototype for us. There are articles online, um, Complex had an interesting series where they interviewed people in the industry. Uh, Packer Corn did a wonderful interview about managing chance and what that narrative looked like. But that looks just looks so different than how me and us are operating. Um, it looked very different than what we've had to do in order to kind of accomplish what we have up until current date. So you can withdraw lessons from listening to other people's stories and reading books and looking at articles online. But I think in this industry, it's very difficult to figure out if you're even thinking in the right way unless, until you get up and close, until you see more people doing it. Because what I've learned is that even some of the bigger artists, like significantly bigger artists, sometimes they operate in like a laissez-faire fashion. It's like, oh, we're just figuring it out too. Mm -hmm. And that that instills nothing but confidence. So I've, I've only recently 
grown confident that what we're doing and how we're thinking about what we're doing is the right way. Um, just because we now have more access to other people and friends that we've developed in this space. So um, I'll say that and also say my professional life, um, I've gone through many different roles, but um, at the current company that I'm at, I now manage 28 designers. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a black woman who's a director, who's my manager, and she's been pivotal to my growth. And she's also been validating in some ways. It's like, oh, you can be a manager. You are a, you are a lead. You can do this. And I think having that um, experience from my nine to five and having someone in a completely different industry tell me that I'm capable of you know, leading and I'm capable of thinking about, you know, how we can grow and empower, you know, other creatives has also been reinforcing to how I think about, you know, how am I empowering the team that me and Asar work with every day? Like how are we being best service to them? Are we doing the right things to kind of continue to grow every single one of us? Um, so those two experiences kind of happened, have happened in tandem. So it's only recently that I felt like, yeah, like this is, I think we're doing it right. Like I, I, I believe it. So yeah, um, that's my, my answer is long-winded. I am so sorry. <laughs> I just be talking and you be no, listening. No, no, <laughs> no, it's good. I'm, I'm listening. I'm soaking it all in. Um, so when you don't have a blueprint, right? And you kind of are creating your own blueprint, I'm sure that that can be, um, like you go through the range of emotions, right? Everybody can say that whenever they're building something new or starting something new, there's all these different emotions of like disappointment or if it's a delay into getting where you you think that you need to be or want to be, um, you know, how do you overcome those types of moments and what keeps you moving forward towards the the goal? I I recently had a friend, visit like probably like three four months ago um and his girlfriend his girlfriend's working in the industry i think she's doing something in um like web3 crypto but he basically said there's no blueprint for her job she's figuring it out every day so wow okay that's pretty cool uh that's scary um and i think a lot how i've been trying to frame life these days like my lens is that life should be fine Ain't no sequel. You get one of these. Mm. So. I like that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Like, we just doing it. Like, there's no reason for me. And I'm type A, very type A. I, I showed you before we started the call my, my Kanban <laughs> board of the things to do. But I've been trying to be more at peace with, like, being stress-free. Like, you know, more at peace with not knowing what's to come planning but being okay if that changes um because what i'm learning is that nobody has it figured it out like nobody has it figured out i had a homie work for a major major um i'll say music company you know for you know almost five years and is now like in a very like uh i'll say executive role like this other music company he's like i don't really know what i'm doing you know because i'm now at the age where a lot of my friends are like they're either like early 30s or mid 30s or in their late 20s like myself and i'm hearing the same thing we're figuring it out 
And I'm thinking, oh, wow, that's crazy. No one knows. Like, yeah. nobody really knows. Like, we have plans. But I think what I like to say is, like, these days, like, let's test it. See if it works. If it doesn't, then we try it again. Um, we try it differently. Um, and if it doesn't work, then we try something else. Um, I think Big Sean's daddy owns somebody out. I think his album dark sky paradise like <laughs> life is a feeling process it's a whole interlude and i was like yeah that's what it is like like i'm i'm very spiritual I got, you know like i read my i read my bible um and oftentimes it's like i'm reading scripture and it's like speaking to my soul and my spirit in some way and it's like i'm feeling it like there's emotion right so i'm thinking like the things that i'm doing in my day job you know it's not mission critical i'm not saving somebody's life. Um, if I fail today, I'm gonna still be healthy. I'm gonna still have things that truly matter in my life. Like, I can't stress about it. Like, you know, I just gotta do it, go for it. Uh, I'm gonna stay grounded in the things that keep me grounded. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just go for it. Cause we only got one of these. Like, I think that's my philosophy these days. That's how I'm looking at it. It's like, what's to lose? Like, you know, especially being black creators, like, being black men, yeah, there's nothing to do. It's like, yeah, when you put that into perspective, it makes you want to go out and want to go out and try, like try a little bit harder, right? So, yeah, that's dope. I think that's really important is for people to just go for it and not have like a paralysis because of that fear or like all of the 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 maybes or could bees or you know all the things that could go wrong. You know, and I felt like that's something that I had to overcome, like even just taking this leap and doing this podcast, like this is something that has been on my heart to do for a long time, you know, a very long time. And I was just in paralysis because I'm, I was fearful of like it not being perfect. Right. But it was like, it, it was, you know, eating at me because I know that like the bigger picture of at least my life, you know, is to do things like this. You know, and it's like, if I'm not going after it, then I'm like miserable. You know what I mean? It's like, you're not going to get anywhere and you're just going to be miserable if you just stay in your head about things. And I think, and I'm also very spiritual. Um, and so like, that's the, I'm Christian. So like, that's the foundation. That's the core of like every, <laughs> raising his hand. <laughs> right. So that's like the, the core and like the, the point of reference for, you know, the way that I look at life and it's like, God will honor the steps that you take. You know what I mean? In terms of he, you have to give him something to work with. And that, I mean, there's plenty of things in the Bible that says like, you have to make that step that first step and then he will meet you where you're at and like you know multiply whatever you put into you know what you feel you're supposed to be doing he'll he'll amplify what you give right um so I love that I love that <laughs> that is like I just wanted to say I wanted to like applaud you at the beginning like I was like I'm gonna make sure I tell her this is awesome like what she's doing <laughs> the mission of the podcast but yeah I'm happy you took this week um when we talked about the podcast and what you were doing i remember i was like freaking out i was like oh my goodness like is there anything like this online <laughs> that i'm currently consuming because i i try to consume a lot of like i say youtube on day like a series of black creators you know musicians vegans people i follow on youtube and i was like i haven't consumed anything quite like this like trying to figure out what it is 
you know, we want to do is like young people and are we finding our way and how are we finding like that? That is amazing. So anyway, I wanted to applaud you for starting. Thank you for starting. Like I am. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. I love everything you're doing. So. Thank you. I really appreciate that. The the reassurance is 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 <laughs> for sure because it's scary. Like I'm somebody that that is admittedly like in their head a lot, you know, and and it's something that I'm trying to overcome because it's like you can't do anything with your thoughts if you don't act on them. You know what I mean? Right. And then there's so many people that you can reach and help, you know, with whatever your gifts are, whatever you feel like you're supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? So you're cheating other people when you're not being yourself and bringing yourself to the table. You know what I'm saying? If you want to get into that, the altruistic. Look, look you know? okay. What? Okay. My ship just told me the same thing like a month ago, two months ago. We were just talking. And we talked for like three hours. I was like, I ain't talking to this man like that. Like, we crossed. Like, um, what was the point for you that made you realize that? Because I feel like that's crazy. Like, I just. That's like real wise. Like if you somebody and I didn't understand what he meant at the time. He's like, if you're not bringing your authentic self to the table, you cheating other people. What was the what was the point for you to realize that? Because I I just figured that shit out. Like I ain't gonna lie to you. Like I was like, <laughs> um, hmm. I don't know. I feel like I've had like several moments where I felt like. I don't know. I guess like the very few th- times that I really put myself out there or I was doing something that I was passionate about and people would come back to me and be like, wow, that's something that I really needed. Like I I write, I was a writer. So like in the beginning, way back in the day, my first thing that I, I ever wanted to be was like an author and I would write poetry and I would do stuff like that. And I kind of veered off that path over time. Um, but I would write stuff and I would put it out there and people would come back to me and be like, you know, I really needed that. Like, that's something that really um, brought me out of a dark space or like it was confirmation or whatever the case was. And I'm like, wow, okay. So me, you know, expressing how I'm feeling in this moment or, you know, sharing my experience or my perspective is, you know, impacting one, at least one person, you know what I mean? And that just tells me that my voice matters. You know what I mean? What I ha- what I know and the things that I have inside of me and the things that I've shared, you know, it it's touched somebody. So that's kind of when I had those little moments, it made me realize like, okay, I have something to give. Like I was put on this planet to do something. And I know that the things that I'm good at and I, I have insight in these different areas. So obviously there's a reason why God gave me those things. And, um, you know, it's, I guess it's just like a series of moments to answer questions, a series of those, those reassuring moments of like, okay, yeah, I resonate with that. That made me realize, like, if I stop talking, you know, what I'm supposed to be giving somebody else, they're not going to get it. You know what I mean? And obviously they can get inspiration from anywhere, but it's like coming from me, it's not going to be from me. So not that I'm important, but (laughs) you know. I, you know, it's crazy. So I was thinking like, it's always, I feel like it's always a little voice. Oh, I, hate I hate to be corny. It's like a mustard seed. <laughs> um, mustard seed. It's like always this little thing. Cause like, even if you feel like I, I, I should be doing this, I have a little insight here. 
going back to confidence and going back to fear, it's like, is it good? Is it, is, are you, am I, am I sure that this, I have enough of this? It's like, nah, you just got to lean into it. You got to lean into it. It's small too. It's going to be a small voice. Just do it. Um, so the fact that you, it was a series of moments and you had to listen, I think that's what this reminded me of. Like, oh man, everybody has that trepidation, but they have to still push. Like you, you got to lean into it because you know? you'll never know. You'll never know. My friend, um, her name is Liz. She was telling me one time, she was like, the worst thing you can do is, you know, be at the end of your life and be like, damn, I wish I would have. I was like, mm. ooh. Right. Ooh. Ooh. Let me try. <laughs> right, 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 right. I have that too. Very recently. I mean, it's like, I know that with the way that I was before, I wasn't showing up as my my true authentic self. So it's, it's interesting that you even, um, you mentioned that a couple times, but in the beginning of like being afraid to show up as your authentic self. And I think, you know, again, that is also cheating the connections that you could make too, because it's like nobody, if I'm showing up as half of me or like a diluted version of me or as somebody else, the people that are supposed to connect with me, who I actually am, are not going to be attracted to that. You know what I mean? Because it's like, you're, you have a mask on, you know what I'm saying? You got a mask on. So they're not going to recognize, like, they're not going to recognize you because they're not going to connect to some fake. So. Hey, it's a, it's this girl named, her name was Fendi. And, uh, (laughs) I was in eighth grade and, um, she said, I ain't going to never forget this. It did kind of change how I showed up like a little bit. Um, I was eighth grade. She was like, well, you fake. Damn. What do you mean, Fendi? Like, she was like, <laughs> like you phony. I'm like, dang. You know, she, she was fake and phony. I remember that we was on a bus and we usually sat together and talked. But today she was on one. I'm like, damn, mm-hmm. you had a bad day? Like, <laughs> and uh, she was like, Ah, you know, you'd be all up in my face, da da da, talking da da da, woo on the bus, oh, and then like when you get around your boys and in, in, in class, you'd be acting different. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you'd be putting on a mask. You're not showing your. And so anyway, I remember that was the first time. And then um, it was uh, somebody in high school, like my freshman year. She was a senior. She was like, like midway through the year, and we used to talk at the locker. Um, but I was like, I was, you know, I was like only showing like 25% of me. I was, I wasn't shy in high school, but I was like, eh, whatever. Like I wasn't, I was a high school kid, whatever. Um, but she was like, who are you when no one's watching? And she was saying it as a joke. And like, she was like teasing my ass. But then I like, over time, I've been like, that's been like a running thread in my life. Or maybe it's that we pay attention to the things that we're concerned about. Mm. Could be that. But I also do know that like showing up fully and being you and trying not to wear that mask, that's hard as hell. And mm. so um, I feel you when you say that, though. Like, I felt that. Like, I felt that so much. Like, yeah. 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 That's all I want to say. Yeah. Because it's like, it's this form of protection. Like, you're protecting yourself, especially if you're somebody that's like, well, if I'm somebody that is a little bit insecure about being themselves fully, you know what I mean? It's protection, but it's also protection from the good things that could come your way, right? Or it's a barrier, from the good things that can come your way. So it's like, you gotta, life is about taking chances and being vulnerable. And I feel like you can achieve the most that you can when you are vulnerable and able to just take that leap. 
you know what I mean? And just take the risk. There's no reward without some level of risk. So I you're preaching today. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you are preaching today. That is so real. That is so real. I was just thinking about um probably like a couple weeks ago. Um because I have a that wall behind me. There's a wall behind me, and it's like um I just put it up like a week ago. It's like all these affirmations. Cause like I have like little affirmations about myself that I like have in my like notes. I was like, nah, I'm gonna put this on the fridge because I like make my coffee over there every morning. It's some plants over there, you feel me? Like mm -hmm. I'm gonna tell myself these things to kind of like confront my insecurities in all ways. Cause everybody has to like have insecurities, like, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Uh, and I definitely got several. Like, you know, <laughs> I was thinking about uh Issa Ray and I was like, damn. She was really on point when she titled the name of that show Insecure. Because like you can contextualize everything that these characters are going through right. to some sort of insecurity. And maybe that is something people just deal with in their mid to late 20s, you know, early 30s. I heard it gets better. Adele was on an interview talking about, but oh yeah, 30s, more confident than I've ever been. And Beyonce said something in another interview. It was like, I feel more confident now than I've ever had in my life. And then I'm seeing a lot of the people that I grew up watching. Like, I'm a huge Jay-Z fan. Like, Jay-Z is like... <laughs> that guy. <laughs> he that, he that. <laughs> anyway, um, value one, value two. Come on, man. Like, my goodness. So, but just watching him kind of, like, be more confident to the point, like, because, you know, if you listen to his earlier records and then you listen to his most recent record, which is 444, you know, he's always been vulnerable, but like his vulnerability in those earlier records was like him sharing stories about things that happened in his life, like being open about the story, whereas mm -hmm. these latter records were being vulnerable about himself. Mm -hmm. And that is very different. And so I've been kind of battling with this, you know, let me, you know, let me not, you know, be insecure no more. Let me confront these things a little bit more proactively. So what you're talking about is like, um, yeah, I'm resonating with it very much. Mm -hmm. uh yeah it's a it's a daily thing it's like daily it's like taking a shower yeah. washing your face brushing your teeth like um you don't get there without intention and you don't definitely get there without practice yes that's the the trigger that's what I was thinking you know the whole time intention and like growing up I realized a few years ago that like growing up you have to be intentional about growing up like at, at a point in time <laughs> at a point in time in my life I just I mean, out of being naive and young, I'm like, okay, so once I get to a certain age, I'm just going to know things. Like, I'm just going to be grown. I'm just going to be mature. But it's like, I realized that this growing up thing, this adulting thing, it's all intentional. Like, you can stay in a place forever. You could be a six-year-old, you know, or a 70-year-old, 16-year-old in your mind. You know what I'm saying? Because growing up, is intentional, maturing is intentional, doing the work inside of yourself is intentional in terms of overcoming those insecurities and getting to that next level. You have to really put work in and be um, intuitive and like introspective about your life and where you're at and where you wanna be. So intention is everything. And that's something that I'm like learning. <laughs> I um, I love Big Sean, like um, Kendrick, Kendrick comments a lot on the culture and a lot on like African-American stories. I think Drake comments a lot on just emotion. Like how do we feel? Mm -hmm. I think Big Sean comments a lot in terms of how he tells stories, a lot on about like, not just how he feels, but how he's thinking. 
And I think those are the, those are the distinctions that I make for those three artists in particular. Like that's that's the trend that I've noticed in a lot of their music, even though they have different types of music and they tell different types of stories too. Um, Big Sean says, you know, uh, it was in Dark Sky Paradise. It's a really good record. I'm probably gonna listen to that today. Uh, he was like, uh, the work that you do is probably the most the most important work that you're gonna do for yourself. Um, and I don't. That's not the exact quote. So it's like you know, don't quote me on that for real. But like. I remember him saying it and I was like, damn, that I don't know what that means when it came out like seven years ago. But I was like, but now that I've like gotten old, I'm like, yo, that's so real. That is so real. Like um I have like my affirmation up there, but I also have like a journal and I'm reading it every day. Exercises that I do like weekly. I'm doing it every day, but to kind of get me into that mode of like, all right, actively maturing. Um yeah, I gotta say, I don't know. I feel like women just got, just generally it's been my experience. A lot of the women in my life kind of have it. They just ahead of the curve a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's science now. We, got, we know that. We knew that already. Okay. I, feel like, you know, I, you know, I, don't, I didn't know it was science. I just felt like my experience is true. It's like, this is true. Like, he was like, y'all leads ahead. Like, you know what I'm saying? So and I was like, I was like, damn. I was 18. She was like, damn, she was thinking like me. I'm like, <laughs> like, and I'm, that was like almost 10 years ago for me. So anyway, um, yeah, I just I just feel like maturing is intentional. And um sometimes I reflect on some of the women that have been in my life and I'm like, wow, they were they were really trying to tell me something. Or I just think about like putting in work and what that looks like and hearing these same messages. Now kind of at a point where I'm like, I'm recognizing it. Like, ah, ah. So anyway. That's awesome. I think that that's wonderful. And that's definitely like the building blocks of getting to where you want to go in life, just general, outside of career, outside of, you know, all of the the things that humans make up to be busy, <laughs> you know what I mean? And make meaning, you know what I mean? It's when it comes to just the general life path, I think that that's, yeah. you know, the foundation. Um, that was powerful. The things we do to be to make busy. I think that's true. We do, we do make busy. I just say it's all like, it's constructive. Like it is. Yeah. Right. You know, and obviously there's meaning to, to it. And there's, there's things that um, we glean from and it's important. I think the things that we do are important, but it's like, at the end of the day, I feel like, you know, love and be loved is the overall purpose of us all being here. You know what I mean? And showing love through the things that we do and our talents. Um, But yeah, but I, on the final note, I want to know what is a piece of advice that you could give to somebody that oh. is trying to find their way, that is like maybe lost in the sauce, you know, like doesn't know what direction they want to go in. Like, what's a piece of advice that you can give to somebody based off of your experiences and what you've learned to this point? <laughs> a piece of advice. All right, I would say invest in your your learning and your experimentation. All right, it's like do not be afraid to try an idea. Do not be afraid to learn something new. Sometimes we think things are hard. It's not that it's it's hard. It can be a little hard. It's probably just unfamiliar because you know for a lot of us. We've had to learn things. I'm pretty sure trigonometry was hard for a lot of us, but we grew familiar with it and we got through it. Like it was just unfamiliar. 
So I would say invest in your learning, um, uh, invest in your, in your experimentation. Go for it. Like we just, we've been talking about that for most of the conversation. But like, don't be afraid to test an idea. Don't be afraid to try something new. Um, don't be afraid to study how to do that. And it's okay. It's, it might be a little different and weird and take a little time. But yes, invest in learning and experimentation. I think that has helped me become a creative because I study political science and English. I am was not formally trained in product design. I don't didn't know a thing about management, but like have realized I am on par with some of the city's best managers here in Chicago. Like it's all through experimentation, all through learning, and and that is okay. And it's not been straight and circuitous, but that's my advice. Best in learning and experimentation. So yeah. That's awesome. That's it. Dope. Thank you, you dope. This is so raw. Thank <laughs> you for having me. I, I, I feel hella honored for real for you. Like, yeah, of course. And I, I picked the right person. And I, I knew that you had something to say. And I just like, from the little that I knew uh, up until this point, I was like, yeah, he got something to say. And it's it's interesting and valuable. And I, I need to hear what it is. That's like just my selfish, you know, wanting to know what the story was. You know what I'm saying? And everybody else can benefit from the conversation. Um, but I appreciate you. Uh, tell us where we can connect with you. If you oh, want to real. or anything you want to plug or something like that. I don't know how that's much you're listening, but <laughs> oh, you know what? Um, I say like you can connect with me um on Instagram at Will H Goff. Um G-O-F-F. And then you should also, you know, follow Asar at Asar <laughs> Music. Uh A-U-S-A-R music. Like um connect with me on Instagram because you know. That's where I met my most public form. <laughs> my, my Twitter is private because <laughs> it's more reason. But uh, Instagram is where you'll holler at me. And then follow Asar. I will connect with me that way. Um, and I'm pretty responsive. Um, I'm pretty responsive. Uh, if anybody wants to email me, any aspiring managers or people who are interested in music, will at asarmusic.com. You can find me there too. So those are my little plugs, I guess. I've never been asked that before. So I, I didn't have a response ready. <laughs> Yeah, I put uh, you on the spot. You did though. You did. It's okay. I like it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Natalie. I appreciate you.